Hello and welcome to this episode 17, season 4 of This Spiritual Fix. Today we are going to be doing an Ask Me Anything lighthearted episode before we dive into the rest of the season. Enjoy! This Spiritual Fix, Two Mystical Mamas Hacking the Self-Help Game, with Anna Stromquist and Christina Rizzi. Hello, Anna. Hey, Christina. Very sexy voice. <laughs> I was just going to get ASMR as in case anybody wants some tingles down the back of their neck. I can <laughs> really close. Oh, speaking of that, I have a funny story. <laughs> what is your funny story? My friend, her brother would listen to this nun reciting like Catholic Latin prayers or something his whole childhood and she never understood it. And then when they grew up and he was like, could actually say what he was doing, he understood that he had like an ASMR thing with sound, he would have ear orgasms. And like this voice of this nun would like put him into this thing. But like to the whole family, they just thought he was super Catholic. You know, I have to say that like, if you're going to choose a life in which you have to sit and listen to nuns talk, what an amazing addition. You're like, sure, I'll do that because that has some other lesson, but I'm definitely going to get off on having ear orgasms while she does it. Isn't that funny? I love that. That's amazing. Very cute. Yeah, that's very cute. How have you been? So I mean, yeah. okay. So this this episode was not going to happen until we decided it literally 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Because I've been out with COVID all week. And so we didn't do our normal plan and prep for a recording. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad you had the space to be able to get ready. And you had it. You, you, you were on, you know, you got it. You got it. Oh, I got COVID. Yeah. 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 In some ways, this may sound silly, but like you were the last holdout. Oh, I, I was like everybody last, I know. Yeah, I was one of the last people to get it. But yeah, haven't gotten COVID. Been very careful. Kids went back to school and there's no mask mandates at our school anymore. And so they brought it home and I got a really bad case of it. I needed steroids and like it's just been amazing <laughs> because I'm like a go, go, go person. And then I'm like lying in bed all day for 10 days. And it's been an experience, but going back to why I was sleep deprived, this story is kind of interesting. So I'm doing this work with the Galela collective who I've doc talked about in other episodes, which is like this alien group that's channeled through a woman named Leanne Rose. And Somehow in their, in this course I'm doing, I just came to this belief that I don't need to suffer. Like if I don't have to suffer, I am the creator. I am source. And like, I can advocate and choose what I want to experience in life. And every month, right before my period, I get a really bad headache. Sometimes it's a migraine and it lasts anywhere from 12 to 72 hours. Anyways, the, the headache began one morning and I was like, I don't want to experience this anymore. Like I have cured PMDD with IFS internal family systems and 
my diet. And this is like the last remaining remnant. And I was like, I don't want it. Like, I don't need to pay some fee. Like, I don't need it. If I don't want it, I don't need it. So I pulled out a map of the meridians on the body on Google images. And I noticed that my headache followed the pattern of the small intestine. So my headache usually starts like behind the eye and it goes around the head. It kind of caresses the ear, goes down the neck into the shoulder and down into my hand, down to my second finger. And like, I know the headache's bad when I actually feel throbbing through the hand into that finger. I don't know if everyone feels meridians that intensely. If you do Vipassana, you'll definitely get there. And if you just kind of pay attention to energy in your body, I think you can feel those meridian lines. But I was like, okay, so this is the small intestine. And I noticed that the small intestine, when it caressed the ear, it was consistent with a piercing called dyth, dyth. Do you know what it's called? Dyth piercing? It's a cartilage piercing? Yeah, dyth or dyth. I've heard both. Yeah. yeah. So I was just, I had read some studies that people who get a dyth piercing, if they have chronic headaches and migraines, the intensity can reduce by 50% and the frequency by 47%. So it's like, it could be a godsend for some people and it could not help other people. But I was looking at the map and I thought, well, if it's following my meridian line, I might as well try it. So I put my finger in my ear and I pinched really hard where that piercing goes and I had immediate relief. So I thought, okay, this might help me. So I called a local piercer and I was like, can you see me today? I'm willing to come today if you can see me today, but I want it to be today or tomorrow because I want to be able to see if this works. He's like, I can see you in an hour. So I go over there, get the piercing. He doesn't have me sign any consent forms. It was kind of a shady situation, but I trusted my higher consciousness. Like my intuition was like, you have no greater risk getting an infection here than any other place. Just go for it. So I got the piercing within a moment of getting the piercing, the headache was decreased by 50%. And within a few hours, the headache was gone. And despite COVID having one of its symptoms being headache, I never got a headache the entire COVID, which is amazing because headaches are like my, my Achilles heel. It's like the thing I get. So that was awesome. So anyways, the reason why I didn't get good sleep was because I couldn't really sleep on that side. And so it was tender. So it was like, I was tossing and turning in the night and I ended up sleeping wrong and getting a quote unquote crick in my neck. So I couldn't turn my head properly. I wasn't comfortable. So I was kind of sleep deprived going into getting COVID. And then what happened was yesterday I had this epiphany. So I don't know if anyone is familiar, but there's this thing called organ rejection where you have an organ transplant, your body rejects it. Or like even in the case of breast implants or other things inserted in the body, your body will perceive it as a foreign object and reject it and even having like an autoimmune response. So like all throughout COVID, I had horrible, horrible neck spasms like Charlie horses because it it was just this whole thing where my muscles were guarded. And I just couldn't get my muscles to relax. My friend did dry needling and he did adjustments to me. And like, I just couldn't get any relief except for with muscle relaxers. And I don't want to be medicated because those make me feel weird. So I would like suddenly had this epiphany yesterday and I was like, you know what? My neck is on guard because it thinks that this earring is a foreign object. And like, it's all on guard because it's like, there's something in my ear. And every time I turn my head or kind of clench my jaw in a certain way, my body perceives this invader. And then my whole neck and and shoulder go into spasm. So I was like, well, I'm just going to talk to my body because it, it doesn't have to be this way. And I recommend patients do this before surgery, like before getting an artificial implant in their body and stuff. So I put myself into theta 
using this Silva mind control method, 333 We talk all about that in another episode called Look Into My Eyes. It's an episode yeah. on how to put yourself into theta. And I went into theta and I talked to myself and I said, okay, I'm going to have a conversation with all the neck muscles and my shoulder muscles and my whole body. And I just said, hey, everybody, we have an invader. It is a foreign body. It's a piercing. I want you to know that it is here consensually. It is here by consent. I have wanted it to be here. It is helping us not have a headache for the greater scheme of things. It is in the best interest of our body not to have headaches. And so we're going to welcome this piercing and we're going to stop being on guard about it. We're going to stop seeing it as a threat. And I'm really thankful that you saw it as a threat. And I'm really thankful that you know how to how to hold a high tone in your body, in my body to to protect me. And it's a great, great thing, but it's not needed right now. Like there's no invaders. If my body wants to reject the piercing, why don't you just have localized pain at the piercing site? And I will take it out. Like, that's how you'll let me know. I need to take it out. Give me some localized pain right there, but I don't need this like extra pain in my whole shoulder and neck. Like it's just not it's not helping. Let's all be on board together and let's let it go. And so I had the conversation. I said, okay, I'm gonna take a little nap. When I wake up, you were going to be over this. And I woke up and my neck and shoulder are finally relaxed. I can actually turn my head like full range of motion. There is a little bit of residual tension, but it's nothing like before. So I basically had a crick in my neck and shoulder spasms for 10 days. Can I just point out like anybody listening to that story may have heard the same thing that I just did. Cause I I've known that this is obviously going on and like, but it was so interesting. Cause the first time you told me the story about the piercer, you mentioned two things. The first thing was that you were like mentioned not having the consent form. And the second thing you mentioned was like, he actually was like asking you questions about your diet and like actually looking, being very holistic about it. But when you just retold it, the detail that you decided to say was I didn't sign a consent form. Yes, and then, I never and then, gave consent. So exactly. my body was thinking it, this was not consensual. Exactly. Did you already make that connection? Because I just made it. I only just no, made it now. Only like, now only now I'm making it. But I think that that was part of it is because right. my body was like, you never consented. Like we never signed up for this. Right. Like, cause for me, I'm just like, what's the big deal about, okay, yes, it's not, I mean, cause you're a medical provider. So obviously like consent forms are big for you, but I feel like there's a ritual in that as well, which maybe helps with the need to do it. It reminds me of, um, there's a show on Netflix right now called Unexplained and it's it's hosted by William Shatner. It can be really funny and things like that. But one of the things that they, they point out is like, there are so many rituals that are just like embedded and maybe they're just embedded in legal forms. Maybe they're embedded in all these different things. But one of them, they were talking about like how in WWE, or no, I think it was like mixed martial arts or something like that, like some sort of you know, some sort of show in which people are fighting each other and there's a lot of acting and there's a lot of really high tension and it feels like, you know, it's supposed to be like feigned aggression and things like that. And there was a story about how they they usually have this kind of like, it's not like a ceremony, but they kind of had this like closing ceremony at all of those events, right? And it's, and you know, the, the kind of thought it, behind it is that like, oh, maybe it like closes off the like aggression and energy that everyone's showing. And it, it, you know, it's kind of like a play and everyone's participating in that play. So we need to like shut down the energy. And so they gave the story about this one time that they didn't do it. And as a result, like what they found is that people started getting really aggressive, aggressive and fighting afterwards. It was like, it wasn't contained to the event itself. You know what I mean? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, there's a lot to do with ceremony and consent and ritual and 
yeah. all that. And, and when he didn't have a consent form, I didn't make the connection till now, but yeah, it, it really stood out to me when he was doing it. Like I have not consented to this on paper. Yeah. And because of that, your body wasn't able to then create the ceremony within itself to say that we consent to this. And so therefore, like it, it was, you know, that, that, and the fact that, that, that was the interesting thing too, is like, that was the detail that you pulled forward into this storytelling, right? When there were so many other interesting things that I thought you would have, yeah. the fact that your body was like, Hey, I didn't give consent. It just speaks to the kind of unseen ritual that exists and why it's important to give your body the kind of give all your bodies, like the understanding of like, what is going on? Like some things this things have more meaning than we think they do right right like and, and to translate that into anyone listening like if you or someone you love is getting surgery you're getting a joint replacement an iud breast implants a piercing an organ transplant like anything like have a good in alpha or theta like get yourself in a really deep state and have a conversation with your body and let them know like what to expect and what's coming in and how it's serving the greater good and that it's you know, our nature is to attack a foreign invader, but there are cases where it's actually an, and it, I wouldn't say like an invader, it's a guest versus an invader, you know? Yeah. It's a welcomed guest. Exactly. So anyways, cool. that, that was cool. And it made me think that, you know, we do Patreon, we have subscribers that they pay monthly so they can listen to our, our show ad free. And we give like free meditations or free little things every month. It made me think maybe I should make a meditation for them like a hypnosis slash meditation of like how to prepare your body for a foreign guest. Let's not say foreign invader, but like a foreign guest and, and how, you know, anyone going into surgery or something might. Or pregnancy. Find... Oh, I didn't even think of pregnancy. That's so interesting. I, th that's just what came to me when you said that, that you could use it for pregnancy as well, because yeah. I mean, how many times have people are like, my body's rejecting this pregnancy? Like, I mean, I know, I know three or four women. You mean miscarriage or you mean, um... no, I mean like they keep the baby and they're allergic to the pregnancy. I like literally know three or four women. And that's like, yeah, seems like a very high percentage. Well, even miscarriage could be like, maybe in some cases your body is rejecting a viable fetus. Yeah. And, and, and because it's sensing some sort of foreign. Yeah. I don't know. So sign up to our Patreon guys and you guys can get that meditation. All right. So um, what else is going on with you? We, last time I saw you, we were actually in person at the lake Yeah, for a wild woman weekend with Robbie. Oh God, I love Robbie so much. I was listening to that episode and like just her, the, the tone in her voice is just so soothing. Well, that's what she says. She says that basically it doesn't matter what she says because the codes are in her voice and i've no, i've noticed that i haven't i haven't done nearly the work that robbie has done I've, I've heard people say that about both of our voices as well that they don't even need to hear what we're saying it's just what it is and but robbie has intentionally and very methodically and very like with a lot of hard work and kind of intention put the codes into her voice so that it doesn't matter what happens like it doesn't matter what she says yeah. Because as long as you hear her voice, you're getting the message. I love her so much. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we were, we were, that was a, I mean, as everyone heard in that episode, that was like a pretty eventful weekend for me in terms of my understanding of kind of understanding abuse cycles that I had been in my whole life. And so right after that weekend, I needed to then go into a situation in which I had to create very strong boundaries and kind of make it so that I was okay with, you know, with bringing my children into kind of a very stressful environment. So that went 
really well in the sense that I definitely created those boundaries and it and it went very well in that sense but I'm definitely still processing a lot of the experience of that but one of the things and I'll be talking about that later we have a later episode that's going to kind of encompass all the bits around abuse and and different things and how you kind of react to it as you're coming out of it but one of the things I thought was totally fascinating was the whole time I was on that trip I was having these dreams that were just like they were all very very eventful and one of them was I, have you ever seen abu symbol in egypt like have you ever seen a picture of it and it's got like the humongous humanoid i'm gonna google it i don't know abu what is it abu symbol so it's a b u and then the second word is s i m b l e okay, yeah. and it's this really fascinating temple complex that's really close to the sudanese border and um, oh is it like it's in like every sh movie mm, I don't know if it's in, maybe it is, maybe it's in a lot of movies, but it's interesting because they moved it. Yeah, it's in like, they it's literally in death, moved uh, yeah. Yeah. It, what movie is it in? The most recent one was the Hercule Poirot one, Death on the Nile. Okay, Murder, yeah. Murder on the Nile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Abu Simbel is fascinating because the Nasser Dam made it so that it was going to be underwater. So they literally moved it stone by stone. They cut the stone, they cut everything oh, off, no and they moved way. it 50 meters up. And, like, it's just so incredible. It's like an engineering feat that is, like, un I, I would say unmatched, like, to move an entire temple complex. It's pretty incredible. But regardless, it's a really fascinating thing if you kind of look at it for what it is. Because what you'll see is you'll see these massive humanoid huge. There's four of them in front of the temple. And then there are human-sized people right next to it. Yes, right. And I everybody points out like everyone's like, oh, they just they blew up the human, you know, they 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 enlarged the humans and then they just kept some humans the same size. And everyone's like, well, why would you put them next to each other? Like, why would you put a regular size human statue and then have something that is significantly bigger than a human next to them and still say it's a human as opposed to some other godlike being right to kind of basically point out the fact that these are bigger so i was having dreams about these massive deities and like just they were as big as the ones at abu symbol like it was a very eventful time and it really felt for me that like in some ways i had kind of passed a test right that said that i had kind of gotten over this or, or i was in the process of kind of creating a boundary that made it so that i was able to kind of pass through a threshold that made it so that i could come on the other side so one of the other dreams that I had, which was really fascinating, was I was talking about my sister. We were we were traveling interdimensionally, right? Like we were traveling between different dimensions. And it was really fascinating because the ways that in this dream was very, very clear which ways that you could easily pass between different timelines. One of them was in dreams, which is, you know, if you watch The Multiverse of Madness, which is a Marvel movie, they talk... <laughs> I, I love it how they think it's like this big revelation, but of course it's taking from reality is that Dr. Strange wakes up and he's like, oh, maybe, maybe my dreams are actually glimpses into my multidimensional selves. And it's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock, right? And so one of the ways that you can travel is like Robbie says that like every night she and her husband create an intention for the timeline that they want to end up on with their goals because it's right before they go to bed. They can travel to a different time. When I say multidimensional, I'm talking about timelines specifically, right? Where there's different versions of you that are in different life circumstances that have different things going on, right? And so you can kind of, the idea is that you can kind of try and control what timeline you end up on, hopefully not one in which everyone gets sick 
or you know you're always having trouble paying the bills you can go to a timeline in which you have all the money you need and everybody is healthy and things along those lines so one of the ways that robbie travels is she travels at night in her dreams because you're in a, a more resistless state and therefore you can kind of easily jump this dream pointed out two others one was in a plane and i don't know if you've ever felt that before have you ever felt like getting in a plane especially if you're on a really long flight like and then you, you get feel off like the... you can travel dimensions yes yeah you feel like you can travel dimensions right because not only are you in a place in which the electromagnetic field is weaker because as you go 35,000 feet above the earth like the electromagnetic field is significantly weaker and you're getting a lot more solar radiation as a result of it but like like so so you're in different kind of a magnetic field at that point but like also it feels like it it feels like you're just like jumping off into a totally different place when you get off a plane and it's like a completely different landscape. I wonder if like that's why people really things. fear flying. Like it's got more to do with that than the actual aircraft. That would be so fascinating. That would be so fascinating. But that was that was one of the aspects of this dream was that it was like you could go on these planes and you could intentionally for people who knew how to navigate dimensions, they could they could go on these planes and like end up in a different timeline when they landed again. And then the third way was going underwater, which is so fascinating for me because I recently just started going underwater all the time like just because i'm like it just feels so good to me like it like holding my breath and like going for as long as i possibly can underwater has become like this massive spiritual practice for me so it's just funny how that works like i'm i'm gonna be exploring this more because i've started to recognize how I malleable think underwater everything is. I think mm -hmm. underwater works because like if I go under the bath, like if I give myself ceremony or something and I take a bath and I submerge myself completely, I feel like something can shift. Yeah. And that, I mean, even, you know, again, you take modern stories and stranger things. She always has to get in a sensory deprivation tank. So she's going underwater in order to be able to sense other there's she's actually sensing other dimensions right not necessarily other timelines but other places that exist in the subtle realms and the higher realms when she goes to those places like the upside down but it's just interesting because like i feel like those three things could be i would be interested if anybody wanted to write us and let us know if if they're they know of these things being definitely being ways in which you can kind of travel different timelines and things like that because i'm going to be exploring it i wonder if number um, four would be psychedelics I think you're probably right. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. I would and see that. War. I think war. Yeah. I don't know. Like major. Well, I mean, it, it depends. It's it's going to be in the places that are going to take it so that you're like, like for me, going in the pool and going underwater is very, like it has a very body, like I'm forced to get into my body, right, in a very strong way. And so maybe... But when I'm in a plane, I feel very out of my body. So I don't know. I don't know what the, the maybe into me war is like so traumatic that it kind of would force you out of your body in a more traumatic sort of way, right? Like a stress response sort of way. Right. Well, there's this woman. Did you ever go to her house? She's like a witch and she has acres and acres of land hidden in Atlanta and she lives in the trees. Have you been there? No. Okay. So there's this woman in Atlanta and she like her and her husband had a lot of money and they it's like I it's like over in the East Point area and they bought like literally they bought like the equivalent of 15 or 20 houses. So you get to her house on a dead end, but then it's like this huge acreage of land in like the middle of 
these neighborhoods and you would never expect it. And she has no doors. There's trees growing out of her house, like her house. It looks like something out of a secret garden where it's like, there's no doors, there's no windows. It's tree, trees are growing out of the houses. And it's like literally this crazy, amazing, magical land. And you're like, where the hell am I? And how does this woman live here? And like anyone could intrude because there's no doors on this house. And it's just like this amazing oasis in the middle of Atlanta. And then her and her husband were involved in doing some sort of therapy with, with war veterans, Vietnam war veterans, PTSD specifically. And they were able to like cure people. He's died since, but she still goes on to do this therapy with other people. And I don't know who she is and what the therapy was called, but she talks a lot about how in people in war, because they get so addicted to being fully in the present moment, they open up their third eye and they get all these psychic interdimensional and psychic gifts. Wow. So she works with a lot of people from the VA. Apparently they swear that, that they like have cured PTSD and with this technique and God, that no. sounds really interesting. You've never heard of her. I don't, I've never heard of her. She's never come into my, my roundhouse. Yeah. I went there, I think with Eddie, remember Eddie? Yeah, of course. I think I went there with Eddie and this woman named Christine and it was just like this, out of this world kind of thing. And she had fairy gardens and bistro lights and just people living all over the property and just everyone coming and going. And it was fascinating. That sounds amazing. And the fact that that's in the middle of Atlanta, is even better. And the fact that I'm not surprised at all that PTSD or just the trauma of like being in those places basically forces you out into channels of intuition that you wouldn't normally go into because you need to like have heightened awareness, right? So it's like all of a sudden your primal perception comes super strong to the surface, which is the reference of primal perception is that plants and animals and all types of animals, humans and and otherwise, have this thing called the primal perception, which is incredibly intuitive. It can sense thought and intention in real time, right? And that most humans are, are, our other senses get in the way of that right and when you're in that primal moment when you're in the body and you're and you're like or you're experiencing war then it's turn it on because you got to use it yeah so what are we what are we doing today Anna? i love this i love this episode of um of just catching up with how we are and things no like that no structure okay so we're going to ask each other some questions so you guys can get to know us a little bit better even if you don't know us already there's actually a lot of stuff that we don't necessarily share right Right. Because I'm a firm believer that we don't just have romantic soulmates. We have friend soulmates. We have pet soulmates. We got all kinds of soulmates. So like we could use these relationship building partner questions on each other just for the sake of like, I don't know, just seeing what the hell comes up. I love it. Okay. So just pick a number between one and 11 and I'll just randomly ask you the question on the list. What are three highlights of your life? Three highlights of my life. If I were to take the word highlight and 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 <laughs> say what does that actually mean, a highlight would be like we're talking about something that's like feels like a really transcendental experience that is like very light and not necessarily one of transformation. So I am limiting my question, my answer to to like achievement or something that feels very light. So nothing's would... light with you though. <laughs> 
I am a shadow worker. I'm also a light worker, but Yeah, I'm I also know. a shadow I meant worker. like, well, it was just funny because the other day, Eric and I, we were just talking about different kids' personalities. And I said how your children are, are not necessarily like exuberant and loud and joyful, but they are extremely grounded and peaceful. Like they're happy, but they're not happy in like, how, like they're not happy and like you walk in the room and you're like, those are really happy kids. But when you're around them, you get the sense that they have this deep, deep peace about them. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we were just talking about that. And then he goes, yeah, but Christina, <laughs> Christina isn't going to be like the loud, wild, exuberant kid on the, on the, on the, in the playground either. And neither is her husband. I was like, oh yeah. So anyways, that's a compliment by the way, to your, your parenting. Cause I think your kids are really peaceful and grounded. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so if I were to kind of, I'm just channeling what are the, the moments in my life. One of them is definitely when I did the Annapurna circuit and I got to, I think it was like 5,400 meters. So it was like about 17,000 feet, 17,000, almost like between 17 and 18,000 feet. When I was traveling through Nepal, Is this where you got really sick and threw up? Oh, well, this is the, I mean, that's the interesting thing, right? Like the whole, the whole trip was really fascinating because it was like a massive karmic clearing for me. So it was like really difficult because <laughs> when we were on the way to go get dropped off at the, the, the beginning of the trail, it was like, we were, we were going to be trekking for like 30, 32 days, something like that. And the way there was like filled with pollution. Like I was right above the exhaust pipe on one of those buses and that go through, you know, that was just like, I was literally just like breathing in these like noxious fumes for this whole time. And so I developed bronchitis within the first, cause I used to get bronchitis all the time. I developed bronchitis when, within like the first day or two of hiking. And it took like, I think it took like 12 days to get up to the top, to get all the way up to that height. And then you had to obviously like do a bunch of things to make sure that you didn't get altitude sickness, things like that. And the whole time I was just like laboring for breath in addition to being at very high altitudes and, you know, trying to find whatever we could. And I was always like breathing in stuff and, you know, just trying to do everything I could to get to be okay. And I remember the moments that I was just like, cause the, basically you had to get up at like four in the morning, three or four in the morning in order to be able to get the good weather to get over the pass. And you had to climb something like 2000 feet in a single day. So you slept at like 15,000 feet and then you had like had to go over this pass and it was pitch black. And we had, I remember we had boiling water inside of our, inside of our water bottles when we left the, the hostel or the guest house. And within five minutes it was frozen solid. Like that's how cold it was. And so we're just like, totally freezing pitch black and you're just going down the you're just like walking and you can only see what's straight in front of you and however fast the person in front of you is going is how fast you can go because you can't walk around anybody because it's literally like 5,000 foot drop of like pure snow like down to your death right on this side and then it's just as sheer on the other side so it's just this little single file path and if a mule comes you just have to like throw yourself up against the high slope so that you like don't get pushed on the hill by the mules and, and it was like this, I think it took like five or six hours to get up to the pass. And I was laboring for breath so hard because I had bronchitis and I just, I literally was so lightheaded. I felt like I was going to die. And I was just like, I could, I could, I was barely making it 
But when I finally got up there and they gave me like a hot cup of tea, my face was like half frozen solid. Like it could, like there's a picture of me and I like literally can't move the right side of my face. Like it's that funny. That was definitely a highlight because I just was like, I did it. Like I didn't think I could do it. Like there was definitely a point like an hour before we got to the top of the pass. I was like, I can't do this. But I was like, cool. That I did is it. intense. <laughs> it was very intense. So that was a highlight. And then I would say like there's one, I think I only want to give you one because like, I would say that a lot of the other moments, like I think of like my kids and I think of like childbirth and like going through non-medicated childbirth at home with my daughter. And then, and, and I would say that some of those are kind of like major highlights, but I would say that in general, my highlights are around the kind of breaking outside of the norm of what anyone would expect. Like when I, um, or physical barriers kind of. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, even just like living when I lived in a yurt for a year and then I built a house and it took four or five years, but you know, we like at one point, Oh, that's, Oh, I got one. This is the last one. We were living without running water for maybe two and a half years. I want to say I was, it was between like 18 months and two and a, and like, and two and a half years. And we were living in a yurt off the grid and we only had like a single plug. And then we, and then we had built a house. We had built a, like a 1200 square foot house ourselves. And we had done all the labor and all the engineering. And I was the electrician and my husband was a plumber. And so he had to build this massive cistern to catch rainwater so that we could get running water because we didn't have a source of running water and we couldn't dig a well because we were like dirt poor. Right. So we just like it, we poured man labor into all the money that we didn't have. And so we, got running water. I mean, there's a lot of backstory around how bad it actually turned out. But the first time that I got running water and like in that house, like the house that we had built, you know, we turned on the faucet and like water actually fucking came out of it was like a massive highlight. It was like the most exciting. Oh it was God. just it was so incredible. <laughs> it was like, oh, we don't have to carry water anymore. And then the pipes froze two days later because there was a first polar vortex. And that's another story for another oh, day, but gosh. it's funny. So yeah. Can you answer the same question? Pick a random okay. question. Okay. I'm going to pick the number 11. Okay. I feel like I associate you with 11 a lot. Can you tell me a time about a time when you felt I really saw you for who you are? Oh God. <laughs> the good, the bad, or the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> okay. This is so silly, but at the good, I'll say I'll do one of each. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Good. So one was at the beginning of the wild woman weekend. I had it in me that I really, I love sunflowers, maybe because I'm a Leo and they look like lion and this and that, but like, I love sunflowers, especially those little ones, the provincial French ones that are not the size of like a full head. Right. And I was at the grocery store and I saw them and I don't know why, but like, I didn't treat myself to them. And you walk in the front door <laughs> And you're carrying a bouquet of those flowers for me. And like, I didn't even have to tell you that I love those flowers, that they're my favorite flowers. Like, and that just earlier that day, I had denied myself that gift. And like you, I'm going to cry, but you like walked in with like the perfect gift for me. And I was, I was like, going to cry. I was like, oh my God, she knows me. <laughs> I do. That was really cool. And I actually bought some yesterday. 
was at the store and I'm like, I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to deny myself. And for no, no, no more. You're going to deny yourself that. Yeah. You and I actually bought 250 seeds of provincial sunflowers. They arrived yesterday. So I will eternally have them now in my garden. Cause then like each year I'll just dehydrate ahead and have it for the next year since they're annuals. Yeah. That's anyways. Cool. That's awesome. So, okay. The good, the bad and the ugly. And then I guess the bad would just be like, I've told you some really horrible things and you're just like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much because I don't know if I want to share that with everybody, but yeah. I've told you some things I've thought or I've done that I wouldn't tell anyone. And you're just like, yeah, I've thought those things too, or I've done those things too. And then the ugly, I would say it would have been like, I think two years ago, Wild Woman Weekend, where you kept nudging me about something mm -hmm. and you finally made me crack. And I just started crying because I was doing something really self-destructive and you were like, I think you asked me, do you hate yourself or do you hate that person? Or I can't remember what you asked, but like, it's like you saw through all the bullshit I was doing and you asked the question that kind of cracked me and I just started bawling and crying and you and Robbie just sat there and held me while like I literally cried with snot, ugly snot coming out of my mouth. And I was like <gasps> gasping for air because I was like, yep, it's true. I'm a hateful bitch. We love that about you. <laughs> All right. Not, yeah, pick, a, yes. pick a number between one and 11. How about 10? What do you value most about our relationship and why? For me, this is, this is a relatively easy question in the sense that for me, I have always felt that love was conditional all the time. Like that's kind of the, the kind of main love that I choose to remember experiencing, right? That it was like, yeah, okay, you can do this if you do this, like you get this if you get this, right? And um, I've been doing I've been doing a, a course with uh, Jay Fields, who we had as a guest earlier and kind of came to that realization last night that like a lot of the way that I think of things is that it's conditional and that given a good enough reason, someone will choose not to love somebody else who, you know, you would think would be unconditional. And I feel like you have seen me and injured me and all of the different bits and pieces that that like I have, you know, and given me so much wisdom and insight throughout the years and like been such an amazing friend who's like there and like, I love how communicative you are. It like, it just makes me feel so. Oh God, I'm too, Eric will see me like I call you and you don't answer. And then I just keep calling over and over again five <laughs> times. And he's like, what are you doing? She's, she's a working woman and she has a family. And I was like, oh no, 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 this is how we are. <laughs> this is so good. But I mean, it just makes me like, I don't know. There's been a couple of times when you've just been like, don't ever leave me or whatever, you know, you said that to me and I just always feel the same way back. Like, I'm just like, Aww. it's like, you know, it just feels like, like I keep, sometimes I always wait for the other shoe to drop that like, you're just going to be like, all right, this is it. This is the reason that I'm just going to like t t throw, you know, like, like that there's some secret dark that you're going to see my dark passenger and you're going to be like, oh, that is so bad that I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm dipping out. We're not, we're not doing it anymore. Oh, no. and... I love your dark passengers, even if they do drive me nuts sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
and all that's, right and i cherish that unconditionality so thank you oh all right i'll give you another and then we have two questions from listeners so we could answer those yeah okay. okay so i'm gonna do my other lucky number three okay number three what can i do to help you deepen your trust in me gosh i think you're loyal to a fault so i don't know if <laughs> a serious fault <laughs> I see, I see you defend your abuser and shit. So I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like you are the epitome of loyalty. You want to ask me another question? Cause sure. I don't feel like that's juicy. Sure. Number one. Number one is what are three things you love about me? And one thing you think I can improve on? Oh, that's juicy. Ooh, three things I love about you. Okay. Number one, you're super resourceful. I would say if I was on an Island and I had to pick, you know, a couple people, to survive on the island you're definitely my first pick because you know how to build houses and shit and you probably know what berries are edible and all that very resourceful number two super super intelligent like i don't know if anyone knows but if you ask christina anything about anything she knows everything about something <laughs> jack of all traits number three honest like really really honest honest extremely Possibly honest to a fault <laughs> i would say honest to a fault but it's not to a fault because i think it helps and i think it helps our listeners and then one thing i think you should you could improve upon would be okay i see this in you but i see it in me too i think you have a worst case of it which is the belief that you have to suffer to make something meaningful like mm -hmm. things can't come easy. Like there's like that funny saying, a man will spend three days in the forest eating berries to trap a deer and then he'll mount it on his wall. And that same deer could die in his doorstep and he'll just take it to the dump because you put so much value in the effort yeah. and the challenge. But I think almost sometimes it can cost you. And I think I do it too. I think it's a human thing. But I think sometimes you make things more difficult than they need to be because that is the way that you're going to really learn your lesson. Mm, I would agree with that. And I think that's very insightful and not something that I've heard. So really? I appreciate that. I, I mean, not like directly. It's so not obvious. Like <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's really interesting that you're saying that because like I definitely feel that way and I definitely see it in my family a lot. I've been seeing it in my family a lot because like, you know, everything is like, a thing, right? Like, you know, it's nothing, nothing is just like, let's call somebody and it becomes easy, right? Like, it's always, a, it's just everything's a thing. And I think that the more that I can accept that suffering is not a necessity, like, I mean, I used to when somebody was like, when I was like, trying to get out of my job, or kind of, you know, be more free and do things like that. And I kept hearing people be like, you need a sacrifice, which is like 100% the father would just be like, you need a sacrifice for what you for what you get like you have to make sacrifices you can't have everything the way that you want it to be like so there's some sacrifice and your sacrifice that you're making is not doing what you want to do every day and i was just like fuck that but at the same time i also believe in it and i think that my family has kind of almost a pedigree of that and i think that that's something that i can look at so thank you well i, I think i i need to get some juice out of this conversation what's the thing i should work on hmm if I were to say that there was something that you should work on, I think that I think that you have come such a massive way. And I know that we both do this too. Again, we both do this, but you've come such an amazingly massive way with your rescuing tendencies. It's like incredible. But I think that I, I think that there's also I think that you can explore different ways in which you you can like, you know, 
especially when it comes to like, it's funny because it's like, you know, I'm going to sound heartless if I'm like those, those helpless beings that, you know, nobody else is helping and you have to go and help, you know, and then it like, that's not the point. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like, and, and I'm not thinking directly of the dog that you rescued, which was like an amazing story. And you're like, you're so glad that you did it. Um, Oh yeah. So during Halloween weekend, I found a dog and I rescued it and it was kind of a big inconvenience and a hassle. But Right. But you found, you found the correct person. You like, they, they got the owner, like everything was fantastic, but it was interesting. Like sometimes it's like, oh, if I were to say anything, it was like to gauge what is your karmic responsibility and what is not, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Yeah. I I I I get all can tie I can entwine and mesh and entwine myself. Yeah. Because in karma that's not mine. exactly. I see that. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, we got two questions from our listeners and I thought we should answer both of them. Okay. This question comes from Mr. R and he says, "What is one thing you would tell your 20-year-old self?" Okay, first of all, like yeah, we all agree like there's no such thing as regret and if we had to live our 20s again, we would live them just as we did because we wouldn't be who we are without the mistakes we made and yada yada yada. Okay, we got that. But like that aside, if you could go back, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Oh my God. I genuinely have no fucking clue because I can't think of, like, I feel like a lot of my watershed moments happened before I turned 20, but I don't know. Do you know? I'll think while you talk. I know, I know Yeah. what I would What do. is it? I would give myself a book list and I'd be like, these are the books. Hopefully they will have been written by then. I mean, <laughs> 20 years ago would have been, you know, 2002. Hopefully they were all written before 2002. I would give myself a book list of books to read and be like, read these ASAP. And I had, I did my first Vipassana course when I was 22 or 23. Yeah, I did mine So, when I was 24, so yeah. yeah. So I feel like that was great. That was, that was perfect. That didn't come any later or sooner than it should have. But I think there's a lot of things I, I did, especially in interpersonal relationships romantically, that I just, I wasted a lot of time and I put up with a lot of bullshit because I just didn't know better. And I feel like I would give myself a reading list, which I will put in the show notes, the list of books I would have told my 20 year old self to have read. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think I know what mine is because it's something that I've recently said. I think I even said it in last week's episode about like, fuck, how did it take me till I was 39 to figure this out? So I would say that I would have learned how to create healthy boundaries and I would have told myself how to create healthy boundaries and like what that actually means and that I can still get like love. I basically, it's kind of a mixture of how to create healthy boundaries, which is connected very closely to how to not have a victim mentality or like how to how to kind of recognize that you are empowered in your own life and that the victim may feel powerful in the drama triangle but like there's actually a benefit to creating a boundary so that you no longer have to be the victim I like that. Okay, this is a question that I freaking love. This is a very creative question. What Disney villain do you feel you have already integrated and which do you still need to? do you know Yes. Okay, I'll go first. The the one that I've integrated is Maleficent. Ma Maleficent? Yeah. Maleficent because she is like this cast out She's just like the epitome of a witch and like the epitome of the evil woman that like is jealous and bitter and a bitch and vengeful and all that. And I feel like I've integrated her because I feel like she represents my PMDD dragon a lot that like if I imagine what my P 
PMDD looks like. It looks like her. And I totally love and accept her. And I love that bitchy, vengeful side of me. (laughs) I do. The part of me that I haven't yet integrated yet, I think is Ursula the Sea Witch. And the reason why is because she's really good with contracts and boundaries and like holding people to their word, even if she doesn't do it in a very kind way, but she like really holds people accountable and, and Mm -hmm. is really good with boundaries. And I don't think I do that. So I would like to integrate that. That's awesome. I think the one that I've integrated has been very recent for me. And I hope that it is the case is from frozen, which is uh, in case y'all not, I'm not talking about Hans from, from frozen. I'm talking about the sister relationship. It's taken a year for that to kind of actually multiple years. And I feel like now that I finally identified the kind of source of my abuse, I can pull the negativity from that relationship because it never belonged there. And so I would say that I've integrated the understanding of like, I mean, cause if you think about it, like there's some fucked up shit that happens to Anna in Frozen, right? Like she's completely like, she's abandoned, she's rejected, you know, and then, you know, Elsa has her own shit, right? Where she's just like, completely has to suppress who she is. Like, it's like basically two sisters that are pitted against each other because some stupid fucking gnome decided that he wants to like make them drive them apart because that's the only way to save one of them. And that's what it felt like. So I feel like I've integrated my Frozen, like the villain that exists within Frozen, which is the the fissure in their relationship. And I would say if there was one that I haven't, it's my, well, I was going to say Mother Gothel because Mother Gothel, like, she basically, she? Mother Gothel is from Tangled. I'm, I'm doing modern ones. There we go. I'm going to do an older one, which is if I haven't, fuck. Oh, Cinderella. That's totally it. I think, okay, I finally found the one that I need. I'm in the process of integrating. I am in the process of integrating the Cinderella villain. And I will leave it at that. All right. So one more question. Which Disney heroine do you think I most remind you of and then vice versa? I, okay, give me a second. I need to think. I'm going to channel the answer. Yeah, sorry. I think that in some ways, <laughs> this is like, I'm going to be a bitch. Just hold on just a second. No, no, no. I would say that given the fact that you just came off of COVID and you were still cleaning your house and cooking for your kids, I would say Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> is that too much of a bomb? Sorry, I could not do that one if you want. No. <laughs> you just like to call, are you just calling me the maid? Is, is that what you're trying to say? No, Cinderella goes and to she, a place. Loves <laughs> and she loves dogs. She loves animals. Mice. And she has a fairy godmother. And no, 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 no. But Cinderella is incredibly kind. She's she has such a warm heart. So basically, in direct opposition to what I just said to you about knowing where to karmically entangle yourself, incredibly kind, incredibly always looking to be of service, but also just like incredibly just so magnanimous in your ability to be kind that like. As soon as you allow the reception of beautiful and wonderful things as a reward for being that person, then you will have, and it's not your prince, so to speak, but it's the life in which, you know, everything is rewarding, right? Because she sings the whole time she does everything. She's just like, do, do, do. And you're like, oh, I'm fine with doing it, you know? And I think you are. And I think that that's beautiful. So 
All right. Well, I channeled this one for you, Mulan. <laughs> Mulan. Ooh, I love it. Explain why. I think you're Mulan because I think you're an idealist. I think you're willing to put in the grit and labor to search for your goals, like achieve your goals and 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 pursue your idealism. And I think you also have a strong sense of equality. And maybe I don't think she hates men, but there's something about that, right? There's something about her becoming a man to to fight her goals. Yeah. But yeah, justice, idealism, hard work, warrior. Yeah, not the typical fairy, light-hearted, in a dress princess. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I definitely. All right. All right. That's do you, that, do, you, do you see what I mean about that one? I totally see what you mean. It's a really good one. It's a really good one. Well, this was an interesting episode. We hope you like it and tune in next week because we're going to be talking about abuse. <laughs> we just got to do light, heavy, light, heavy, light, heavy, light, <laughs> yeah. shadow, light, shadow, light, shadow. All right. <laughs> yeah. Shadow work next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Spiritual Fix. Join us next week when we'll be talking about more different types of shadow work. And in the meantime, if you have been moved or if you would like to let us know how you feel, please leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Thank you. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell you all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover. Hello, TSF family. It's Christina here. In our journey of self-discovery, Anna and I have explored numerous tools and processes, just as many of you have during this TSF journey with us. The community of beautiful souls we've connected with both energetically and in reality is truly awe-inspiring. Thank you for being a part of it. Now, I invite you to join me this fall in 2023 for my Zoom course, Redeeming Your Inner Villain Transformation Circle. Over the past year, I've channeled and undergone a transformational journey in redeeming my inner villainy, which I'll talk about later this season. But we'll be shifting in this course our perspective to recognize our role in villainizing the aspects of ourselves that perpetuate the drama triangle, both internally and externally. This process has enabled me to unravel and love parts of myself that once villainized, my neurodivergence, my maladaptive behaviors, among other things. Embark on this journey of self-love with me. I am currently offering free 30-minute exploration calls for those interested in this opportunity or who just want to catch up. Visit www.chriswilty.com and click begin my quest to schedule your call. And remember, our TSF family receives a special 10% discount on this course when you choose to sign up. Join me in redeeming your inner villain and embracing self-love like never before. Don't miss this chance to transform your perspective and your life. Visit www.chriswiltsy.com today. Thanks, y'all.